breaking news from KXAN News. Some breaking news tonight at 5. KXAN has obtained court documents related to that violent scene early Saturday morning when officer Austin police officer Jorge Pastor was killed while attempting to rescue hostages. It all happened on Bernoulli Drive in southwest Austin. Search affidavits named the four people inside that home when this happened, although it does not make clear who is the suspect victims or who owns the home. Now we are waiting to get confirmation from authorities before we release all of those details. And when officers first entered the home that morning, they encountered a man wearing an armor plate vest. They say he fired shots at them using a rifle and then when the SWAT team arrived later they made their way into a bedroom where a gunfight began leading to the death of both the suspect and the police officer. Now police obtained warrants in order to further prove the suspect committed the crime. They're looking for items of personal property like utility bills or mail. They're also looking for trace evidence like hair or blood, sharp objects like knives or ballistic evidence along with tactical gear and electronic devices. Officer Pastor's funeral is coming up on Friday. APD just shared on social media that the other officer who was shot is doing well and is on the way home to continue recovering. Still no decision from a jury in the trial of Austin police officer Christopher Taylor. He is being tried for murder for shooting and killing Michael Ramos after police say Ramos did not obey commands and tried to drive away from a scene in 2020. Well, yesterday, Judge Dana Blasey said jurors could not come to a unanimous decision. Our Grace Reader is there now. Grace, are the jurors still stuck this afternoon? Yeah, we still don't have answers from the jury this afternoon. They have now gone four full days, more than 30 hours deliberating. We frankly thought this morning that the jurors might be close to reaching a decision, but then Judge Dana Blasey brought the jury into the courtroom this afternoon and said that they were confused about language in the charge against Taylor. Jurors asked if they can move from elements in that charge, discussing self-defense to discussing protecting a third party without being unanimous. The answer to that is that their ultimate decision does need to be unanimous, but they don't need to go item by item and agree on every element in the charge before they move forward talking about the next. That question from the jury to me indicates that these jurors have quite a bit of deliberation left to do. The jurors also asked for additional evidence this afternoon, specifically testimony from several of the officers on scene. Last week, they asked the court to refresh them on what officers on scene said that they were asked, uh, rather what officers on scene said said when they were asked why they didn't shoot. Today, they asked for things like where officers thought that Michael Ramos may have been driving or whether they thought that the other officers on scene were in danger. Now, we know that jurors have gone home for the day again today, but they will be back at 9 a.m. tomorrow, and so will we. Back to you. All right, Grace, thank you very much. Another big case. We're now on day eight of the murder trial for Caitlin Armstrong. Police say she shot and killed pro cyclist Anna Mo Wilson last year when the victim came here to compete in a gravel race. Cameras are not allowed in that courtroom, so KXAN's Brianna Hollis has been giving us a play-by-play. -play. And today, one of the corrections officers testifying chased Armstrong when she tried to escape Travis County custody last month. Brianna, what are you hearing? So, of course, this is something that we've covered extensively, but we learned a little more about it today. The officer says Armstrong had a metal chain around her waist connected to handcuffs, but that she also had a doctor's note telling officers not to put shackles around her ankles. The officer says Armstrong ran away when she turned back to the nurses to address some paperwork that the officers forgot. And during that chase, the officer says Armstrong was able to come loose with one of her arms from the handcuffs. Now, the chase only lasted for about 15 minutes, but 
that Armstrong did cross South 1st Street, which as we know is a very busy road before the corrections officer caught up to her. Now regarding this case, while the judge did allow the state to use this incident in their case against Armstrong, any charges stemming from that escape are being handled separately. That hearing was originally scheduled for yesterday, but has now been reset to December. And Brianna, you also said that the jurors heard from DNA specialists today. What happened during that testimony? Yeah, so they went into detail about finding Armstrong's DNA on Wilson's bike. They also said that they found both Armstrong and Strickland's DNA on a firearm that police analyzed, but that the presence of Armstrong's DNA was stronger than Strickland's, Daniel. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, sunny, warmer day today, and the sun is about to go down already in 30 minutes from right now. Beautiful live shot from our Lorenz and Lorenz 360 cam, where it's 69 degrees after five straight gray and at times wet days. Very little cloud cover across the area this evening. Just a few low clouds hanging on here on Highway 77, keeping temperatures there a little bit cooler. 66 in Giddings, but 69 in Georgetown, and 70 at this hour in Marble Falls. Coming up in your forecast, just how long this perfect autumn weather lasts as we track the next storm heading this way and also some late season activity ramping up in hurricane season. Ahead, the border battle continues. Just how much state money has been approved to build the border wall? An unprecedented plan for prosecuting illegal immigration is moving closer to becoming law. The Texas House is debating Senate Bill 4, gearing up for a vote later tonight. SB 4 would create a new state crime for crossing into Texas from Mexico and effectively allow Texas police to deport migrants. Opponents call the bill unconstitutional because it usurps authority over immigration from the federal government. But the bill's supporters argue it's time Texas takes novel steps to protect the border. Democrats filed over 50 amendments to the legislation, and the heated debate could last for hours. SB 4 is a Texas solution to a Texas problem. It's a humane, logical, and efficient approach to a problem created and fostered, again, by the Biden administration's failure and refusal to secure our border. There's nothing unfair about ordering someone back from where they came if they arrived here illegally. These are folks that are going to be in our community, by and large. And I don't see why we would not want to do right by those people who have followed the rules. What incentive are we giving people to follow the rules when we then say, just kidding, we're still going to put you in jail? If the bill becomes law, civil rights groups around the country have already signaled they will challenge it on constitutional grounds. Today, the Texas House gave initial approval to a bill that would set aside one and a half billion dollars for expanded construction on the border wall. As our Capitol correspondent Monica Madden reports, there are still many questions about how much wall will be built and where it will happen. This is a tool in the toolbox for them to use to secure the border. I can't really understand how we're determining what the metrics are here as to whether or not this is being effective. Questions of accountability loomed over Tuesday's House debate on Senate Bill 3. This is a huge amount of money. We shouldn't spend it unless we know that there is data that indicates it will impede illegal entries into, into Texas. The bill would give discretion to the governor's office for using the money and doesn't specify how much wall would be built. As I understand it is, is about 20 to $30 million per mile. Is that a fair assessment? 
That sounds about right, yes. Since fall of 2021, Texas has dedicated more than a billion dollars for ongoing efforts to build border walls. Okay, and how much have we built with that $1.6 billion? I believe based on our last conversation, it was around 11 miles. It would also set aside about $40 million to increase law enforcement presence at Colony Ridge. It's a Houston suburb conservatives argue has become a hotspot for undocumented immigrants. Taxpayers need to know how their money was being spent to effectively stop the migration into this state. And I think this is... Ultimately... Democrats' concerns about if this is the best way to spend the money fell flat. This is what they're asking for. This is what they say will help to protect our border. Monica Madden, KXAN News. And one amendment was adopted to require assistance to local government and law enforcement to help cover the costs of enforcing the new law. The bill will have to clear a third procedural vote in the House, and then after that it's going to have to go back to the Senate because of that amendment. Now, going in depth, illegal border crossings from Mexico have fallen 14% according to U.S. Customs and Border Protection. U.S. Border Patrol arrests for illegal crossings totaled over 188,000 in October. That's down from over 218,000 the month before. And that was the second highest month on record. Arrests had more than doubled over the previous three months as migrants and smugglers adjusted to new asylum regulations introduced back in May. Border Report digs deeper into these numbers and what they mean for our country. You can head to borderreport.com and click on this top story. A failed bill last legislative session could reemerge, limiting conversations on gender identity and sexual orientation in Texas schools. We'll take a closer look at how some districts are already implementing their own policies. And today, a perfectly typical November day with high temperatures in Austin coming in right on target at 72. No rainfall in the bucket today in Austin. Our November to date rainfall still a little bit below normal. Your first morning forecast right after this. Outlaw, a KXAN investigative project unfolding all week. Our team is looking at the connection between a 50-year-old state law banning homosexual conduct and the record number of legislative proposals introduced in 2023 impacting LGBTQ Texans. The debate surrounding many of those bills focused on children and families. Some passed into law, some are challenged in court, and others are bound to resurface in future sessions. Some failed state proposals are now being implemented in various forms at the local level, as KXAN's Kelsey Thompson found. Yes, and that includes new policies at several Texas school districts restricting conversations on both gender identity and sexual orientation among students and staff. Katie ISD approved in late August a new policy that requires staff to inform district families if their child identifies as transgender or requests a different name or pronoun at school. It also discourages discussion about the topics in classrooms. Keller and Carroll ISDs in North Texas also enacted related policies over the summer. Now this follows a failed gender identity bill in the last legislative session that would have created policies like these statewide, right? Yes, Senate Bill 1072 was designed to prohibit instruction on gender identity and sexual orientation for students in pre-kindergarten through 12th grade. Some proponents of the measure told senators the measure would have added safeguards for not only students, but teachers in school districts as well. 
but opponents said they worried the bill would ostracize LGBTQ plus students and could be vague in its interpretation. It really protects all children to guard those topics for the appropriate teacher classrooms, again, who've been trained in the law and know the state standards and what's expected to be taught on those topics. I think we have to keep in mind that a public school is a community and we have to do what is best for the community. And that community is pretty diverse and comes with a lot of different people. We need to make sure that all are being taken care of. The bill passed the full Senate before stalling late in a session, and that kind of progress has some saying it could reemerge next session. But we know a similar law already exists in Florida. Yes, that's Florida's parental rights and education law. It took effect back in 2022 before being expanded earlier this year. Florida's expanded law prohibits gender identity and sexual orientation instructions for students in pre-kindergarten through eighth grade statewide. Regarding Texas's legislation, Cakeson did reach out to Senator Brian Hughes' office to see if he plans to refile next session. We did not hear back by the time of this report, but we'll update the story online with any response we receive. Our coverage continues tonight on KXAN News at 6 and 10 and on KXAN.com. Online now, Outlaw, the digital investigation. Watch the full docuseries and explore our interactive elements on a half-century criminalizing LGBTQ plus Texans. Check out additional stories on the record number of legislative policies and proposals impacting your community. And listen to a new season of our Catalyst podcast, taking a closer look at our team's personal and professional experiences shaping this report. It's all online now at kxan.com slash outlaw. Josh, Kelsey, thank you so much for that. And now a warmer day today. Yeah, beautiful out there. November can be so nice, isn't it? I love it. it. This is why my wife and I scheduled our wedding in November last oh, year. Smart. Except remember it was 35 degrees <laughs> and raining. Let's forget that, David. <laughs> that, that brought you good luck though, right? That's what I keep hearing. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Who can complain about a day like this though? Just gorgeous on the KXAN West Shore home cam. It's right on the roof here in West Campus, looking back southward toward downtown. Sun is out. Temperatures warmer than yesterday. It's 68 right now in town. North winds are blowing just gently at 5 to 10 miles an hour. That serves to keep temperatures from getting too warm during the days this week, and it also keeps the humidity nice and low. That's why it feels so great out there. The pollen count actually very manageable with just mold and fall elm trending even lower than they were yesterday at this time. Yesterday, we were wrapping up five straight gray days with some light rain still in the area. That same storm is now getting a boot out toward New Orleans while we are enjoying high pressure coming in from the west. Remember, this blue H means blue skies, and it's going to keep the weather really great for the next few days. The temperatures kept cool tonight by that light north wind and clear skies. Tomorrow morning, we'll wake up maybe even a little cooler than today in some areas, mid-40s, even lower 40s in the rural valleys, closer to 50 degrees in town. Tomorrow afternoon, a slow warming trend continues each day this week. Everybody hitting or topping 70 degrees, but kind of another room temperature afternoon. Just gorgeous. As that storm system I just discussed pulls farther away and high pressure controls our weather, things look really nice here all the way through Friday and even beyond into Saturday. But let's hit the pause button here on the future weather projection. Notice this southwestern storm starting to bring some rain to the four corner states on Saturday. This is the one we discussed yesterday that should increase clouds and bring back a few rain showers at least by Sunday locally. 
yet to be determined on whether most of the rain from this falls on Sunday, Monday, or potentially both. We'll figure that out over the next couple of days as we monitor new information. But what's also becoming more clear is that early next week, as that storm pulls east of us, a backside cold front on the uh, west end of this low pressure, it's going to bring in some cold and windy weather a couple days before Thanksgiving next Tuesday. And at least as it looks right now preliminarily, some of that chilly weather should stick around through Thanksgiving Day. We should get some rain from this, especially Sunday into next Monday. But as I discussed yesterday, we're kind of pessimistic for how much we get. We love these periodic rain events every three or four days, but this one could only bring a quarter to a third of an inch for many of us as it looks right now. Hopefully we can bump up those totals as the storm system approaches. Hey, down in the tropics, hurricane season doesn't officially end until the end of November. And even beyond then, we have seen storms in the wintertime. We have one disturbance that the National Hurricane Center is watching just north of Panama with some thunderstorms offset to the northwest of it. It looks like the development probability has dropped just below 70% just as we look at this map. But that storm, if it does develop, heading northward toward Jamaica and Cuba and nowhere near the U.S. Tonight, 50 degrees with mostly clear and calm conditions. North winds kick up a little bit at 5 to 10 tomorrow. That'll keep us really mild and, and gorgeous. 75 degrees under mostly sunny skies. After that, the mornings stay nice and refreshing. The afternoons do get a little bit warm. By Friday, we're up to 80 degrees. A little dry, cool front blows in quietly on Friday night, bringing lovely temperatures this weekend. But remember, the clouds start to increase with a few showers possible by Sunday. Right now, it looks like the highest rain chance, just 40% on Monday. Then there is the cooler, windy weather as we think about Thanksgiving next Tuesday. Hey, speaking of Thanksgiving, time is running out to support Team David in our KXAN Friendsgiving Challenge. Remember, Kristen Curry and I are going head-to-head -to, -head to see who can raise more money for the Central Texas Food Bank. Type in that web address or scan the QR code to make a donation now supporting the food bank. Hi, David, thank you very much. Protests for peace at the nation's capital. What these demonstrators are calling for as the war between Israel and Hamas enters a new phase. Right now, our exclusive interview with the families of American hostages held by Hamas terrorists in Gaza, sharing their powerful stories of anguish and uncertainty, but also hope that their loved ones will finally be freed when we see you tonight for Nightly News. Really quickly, accuracy is important to us at KXAN, so we do want to take a quick moment here to clarify something you heard earlier in this newscast. We said that a search warrant related to Saturday's deadly shooting of an Austin police officer named four people who had been inside the home when that attack happened. The search warrant, in fact, lists four people associated with that home. That's the clarification. We apologize for that error. Tens of thousands of demonstrators gathered at the National Mall in support of Israel and against anti-Semitism earlier today. The rally comes as the war between Israel and Hamas enters its sixth week. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu continues to reject calls for a ceasefire. Major players in Congress attended the rally, promising continuing support for Israel. America feels your pain. We ache with you. We stand with you. And we will not rest until you get all the assistance you need. Now, there was a lot of security on hand at the National Mall due to concerns about possible outbreaks of violence between pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian supporters. Coming up tonight, The Voice on at 7. Then it's a new episode of Found at 9. Then KXAN News is back at 10. Or you can always join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 over on CW Austin. Here's where to find us.